Within a few weeks, uh, I will have uh, completed my third year as your pastor and will be beginning the fourth year. And that seems hard for me to believe. Uh, that was a spiritual marker in my life. I remember sitting right down here on the front row that Sunday night as you uh, voted to call us here. And I, I did so uh, with a great deal of anxiety, I, I just have to say. I was, I was trembling on the inside uh, and... Uh, it was a big step of faith for us, yet I knew it was within the will of God. And God has been faithful, and, and so, have you, so have you, and for that we're grateful. But I want you to understand that I feel like we're just getting started. This, this fall I shared a vision I hope that you will share with me. I called it our 2020 vision, and by now you recognize that symbol on the screen as, as a symbol of our church. You'll see it on hats, you'll see it on our church publications, uh, you see it on your newsletter. And it's just a symbol of our church and, and the vision that uh, we will hopefully have for the future. Uh, obviously, we're moving into a new year. However, we're not just moving into a new year. We are 20 years beyond the start of the 21st century. That's something to think about. With God's help, we've taken some, some big steps forward that have helped us grow, but there are more steps that we need to take. I've been around church a long time. I have a little bit of perspective. I know that every decision that a church makes shapes its future. That's true one way or the other. And sometimes failing to make a decision uh, condemns a church or an individual setting the story of that uh, person or that church's future. Now the truth of the matter is, your vision must always be bigger than your ability. God made us that way. He shows us things that are beyond us and He pushes us to new horizons that even at the moment we begin to take steps in that direction, we will assume that we'll never make it. Some of you have already made some of those steps in your life. You went to school and you graduated. You didn't ever think you would. Maybe you got a job and you worked your way to retirement. You never thought you would, but you were able to successfully make one step after another until you achieved your goal. And so it will be for this church. There's some things that are beyond us. There's some things that we need to do and some steps we need to take that truly uh, look too big for us. We can't get there today and it will look impossible to us when the decision is made to go forward. But once the decision is made and we begin to take the steps in the direction God gives us, we will make it not because we're pursuing our own vision, but because we're pursuing a vision that comes from God. Now I want you to think about 2020 vision as it relates to the eyes, just the eyes. And uh, there's a little uh, idea on the screen there that I want you to see. And uh, 2020 vision as it relates to physical vision uh, re refers to clarity, to acuity, and the ability to focus. If you look it up, that's all it'll say. Clarity, acuity, and the ability to focus. Spiritually, this is the ability to see the things that God wants you to see both for your life and for your church. So I ask you, do you have 20-20 vision? Do you have clarity, acuity, and the ability to focus on what God wants for your life, but not only what He wants for your life, but what He wants for your church? Let's approach it as if we were given an assignment by our teacher to go to the library and check out a book and read a book. And you know, when you uh, go to the library, there are hundreds of books there before you. And I suppose that you could read one book after another until you finally read the book that the teacher had assigned you to read. You would get a lot done, but ultimately you would fail at your assignment because you probably wouldn't get it done 
in time. And so there are a lot of things that we could be doing as a church, a lot of busy things that we can be doing. But what we need to discover is what is our assignment from God? That assignment should be the focus of our vision. While there are hundreds of other things we could be doing, we don't want to fail in the assignment that God has given us. We need to discover that focused mission for our church at this time in our history, completing that mission, or at least beginning to take some intentional steps in that direction will shape the future of this church and its ministry. At the same time, a flurry of activity and doing a lot of other things will spin the wheels and keep the wheels spinning, but will never get us to the place that God wants us to be. When I presented this vision to you uh, back in the fall, we talked a little bit about some vision problems, and I want to talk to you about some vision problems that we have in the church today. Older established churches, and we are an older established church, uh, often develop problems with spiritual vision. That's not just true of churches, it's also true of people. People also have vision problems. I first developed vision problems when I was in my 30s. The first pair of glasses that I ever wore had bifocals in them. And so I asked the doctor, I said, what is wrong with my eyes that I have to wear bifocals? And he said, you have presbyopia. That sounded like a denomination to me. And so I said, well, what, what does presbyopia mean? He said, you have old eyes. That's what presbyopia means. And everybody that wears bifocals, you already know that. You have a set of old eyes. And we can have old eyes in the church. Old eyes no longer are able to focus on the things right in front of you. That's where it's hardest to see. It becomes hard to read or thread a needle. And so churches like people uh, can suffer from old eyes. We no longer see clearly the things right around us that we need to be doing. And I'm not talking about the little things that we need to be doing, like fixing the organ or building a playground or, or fixing the spot on the wall. I'm talking about the bigger things that are right in front of us that need to be done, and that's reaching people, which God wants us to do. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, if you open your Bible there, you can discover one of the men in the Bible who had vision problems. His name was Eli. And the Bible said that his eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. The problem with Eli was not only did he have a physical vision problem, he had a spiritual vision problem. Uh, if you read a little bit about his life at this point, you will see that his leadership was out of focus. He was no longer leading the congregation at Shiloh in the direction they needed to go. He had given his leadership over to his young sons whose vision was entirely evil and they were doing things right under his nose that he couldn't see and that greatly displeased God. So churches suffering from old eyes no longer see with the clarity that God intended. However, God can adjust our vision if we will walk in obedience to Him. In John chapter, in Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus said, uh, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. We know that Jacob in the Old Testament, or Isaac, because of his, his poor vision in the Old Testament, blessed uh, the wrong son. He blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And while God worked that for good, it's just an example of how vision is important to the life of an individual in our decision-making process. And it's also important in the life of the church. Thankfully, in the New Testament, we see picture after picture of Jesus restoring the vision of people giving sight to the blind. And so He can help us 
when our spiritual vision grows dim, but we have to come to that realization and we have to ask the Lord Jesus to give us eyes to see. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness because of their failure to follow God's vision when they left Egypt, Moses gave this lament about the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 4. He says, Yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know, our eyes to see, our ears to hear. And as an individual and as a church, you and I need to be asking God to give us His vision for our church. We need a vision that comes from God so that we can understand His assignment and follow it faithfully. You know what we have in the church today, more often than not, is a lot of idea bubbles that come up over people's head. You see those, a bright idea? We have an idea bubble. Idea bubbles aren't what we need. We need God's idea for our church. We need God's mission and His vision. And so, even in the book of Ezekiel, God spoke to Ezekiel and He said to him in chapter 12, verse 2, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but do not see, ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Jesus told the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 18, He said, you've got a vision problem, and you need to buy gold from Me, that you may become rich, white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And you need eye salve. You need eye salve from Me to anoint your eyes so that you may see. That's God's will. It's always been God's will for His people that His people have His vision for their lives and for their congregation. That is essential to our going forward. That's essential to being the people of God is following the vision that God has for us. A vision correction comes only from God. We need to allow Him to address the problem related to old eyes. Now allow me to make one thing clear. Vision problems in the church are not related to the age of the membership. Young people can have old eyes. Young people can fail to see the things that God wants them to see for seeing the things that, 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 are, that are not priorities, that are not the priority that God wants. Notice the contrast between those we've just mentioned and what the Bible says about Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. The Bible says of Moses, although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor was his vigor abated. That was Moses. His eye at 120 was not dim. He still was focused on God's vision. Moses still had a passion for God. Uh, he, he did that because he maintained a close relationship with God, and that vision guided his life from the moment God called him until the moment he died. Uh, perhaps the most important thing we learn in that verse is not only did Moses have a vision, he never lost his passion for that vision. When I came here on January the 15th, 2017, on that Sunday, I met with your deacons in the choir room. And they asked me, uh, because I had served in this area 30 years before, in fact, my wife was unpacking some pictures the other day that had been packed up for a long time, and there was an 8 by 10 photo of me with hair standing right here in front of the sanctuary with Brother John Henry, Brother Horace Glass, uh, 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 Don Nichols, your minister of music, 
and some others who'd been on mission trips, and we were all standing in front of First Baptist Church. I've been in this church before. I've been to programs in this church before. I've followed your ministry before. And they asked me what was one thing I noticed about this church after coming back after 30 years, and I said, nothing has changed. That was the one thing that just struck me. Nothing had changed. And so, uh, I'm sure that that's not intentional. I know how churches operate. There are a variety of leaders and volunteers, and sometimes we work hard to maintain the status quo. And, and honestly, the fact that you've been able to maintain your church and do what you've done is a testimony to the day in, to your day in and day out faithfulness. Your faithful attendance and your faithful giving has helped the church keep going. However, I think you would agree with me that God wants the church to do more than just survive. God wants His church to thrive. So how can that happen here? Well, we need to address our vision problem. The vision problem of old eyes, of failing to see the things right in front of our face that need to be done. But there's another vision problem. And some people have a problem with distance vision. If you go to the doctor and he says, you can't see far off anymore and you need a set of glasses, he will tell you that you don't have presbyopia, what you have is myopia. And that's a technical name for nearsightedness. It simply means you can't see things far off. And it is that distance vision that's very important for the life of a church. You must be able to see the future that God has for your church. If you can't see the future that God has for you, God's assignment, His mission, you will be plagued to wander in a wilderness. And that's true of an individual. That's also true of a church. God delivered His people from Egypt and as you know, when God took His people out of Egypt, His intention was to bring them into the promised land. How long did it take them to get there? It took them 40 years. Do you know how far it was? you know how long the journey was from where they left to the promised land? It was an 11-day journey that took 40 years. It was very short. And God took them immediately to the border. And He said, this is what I want you to do. But Moses made one of the most critical leadership decisions of his life, and it was a mistake. He said, I think we'll get a committee together to decide if this is God's will. So they send 12 spies over. You know the story of the 12 spies. They go over, they look at the land. Ten of them come back and say, essentially, it can't be done. The people are too big. The cities are too large. They're too fortified. They're giants over there. We are grasshoppers in our sight, and we're grasshoppers in their sight. Their immediate vision was good. They could see what was right in front of them but they had no distance vision. They couldn't see what God could do, and as a result, they failed to move forward. And what was that congregation like for the next 40 years? Nothing changed. They didn't even have to change clothes because their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out and they ate the same thing for 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness because they rejected God's vision for their future. The same thing can happen to an individual. It can happen to a church. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, Peter uses this very condition to describe what can happen to an individual. When they fail to walk in step with God, he said, you become blind and short-sighted. And you, you, you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. The word short-sighted, he uses a Greek word myopazone, which is the word from which we get our word myopia, nearsightedness. We become short-sighted when we only see what we can accomplish in our own strength. We become short-sighted when we see what own we can do only with our own resources. Our eyes are off the Lord and we're walking with a faulty vision of the future and not according to His. And the result is nothing changes either in our lives in our churches. Moses did not have old eyes. Moses did not have myopia. 
He had a distance vision for the future. The Bible says about him, again in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7, although Moses was 120 years old, mark that birthday, that was when he died. He was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. Now, in two years, two, your church will be as old as Moses. As old as Moses. Church founded in 1902. In 2022, in two years, your church will be 120 years old. What will be, what will be said of you on that day? Will we wake up that morning with our eyes not dim, nor our vigor abated, with a clear vision of what God wants us to accomplish, or will nothing have changed? Look, this building was built in the 1940s. It was the state-of-the-art worship center, one of the finest in the state of Mississippi and in the Southern Baptist Convention. These people had a, they were visionary leaders. They were reaching people and were growing. They had a vision and a passion for that vision. Their programs were rich and vibrant. Your programs, your programs, your programs at this church used to be rich and vibrant. Why, 50 years later, passed in the 1940s when I was a pastor in Camden, Alabama. One of your youth choirs came to my church on tour. And it was a fine and dandy program that they presented in my church. But somewhere along the way, things changed. And your passion waned. I know that life and trouble and problems take their toll on people and families and churches. I'm not condemning you for that. I'm just calling you back to the passion and to the vision that God has for you. To the passion that your church once had for God's vision. So I want to remind you of some things that, that I told you some months ago. I simply want us in this vision to build upon the past. That's the first thing. To build upon the past. I want you to return to the vision that God had at one point in your church's history. A vision of reaching people for Christ and a vision of teaching the Bible. But to return to that past vision, you're going to have to recover your passion. The problem with the church at Laodicea, uh, Jesus told them, He said, you've, you've lost your first love. And our first love is the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone obeys my voice uh, and loves me, he will obey me and we will love him. My Father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. That's what he said. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a part of a church that was simply walking in obedience to God where the Lord manifested His presence from week to week by saving souls and changing hearts and changing homes? Last week, the choir did an excellent job uh, with their cantata. And one of those stanzas that they sang over and over in that cantata just rings in my mind all week long. Into our chaos, Jesus came to us now God is with us and all can be well. The Lord Jesus Christ will come and make His home right here with His presence will be known here and when our hearts and our church has surrendered to Him, He will enable us to accomplish His vision for the future. We need to build upon the past. We stand on the shoulders of giants right here at First Baptist Church. People who had distance vision a long time ago. And we need to recover that vision and that passion for this church. Number two, I encourage you to celebrate the present. Simply open your eyes and see what God is doing right here and now. Because God is shaping this church. He's at work here. We're seeing signs of God's activity. And so we need to pray that God would open our eyes and allow us to see what He's doing. I call your 
uh, to your memory the contrasting perspectives of two Old Testament characters who stood side by side. Like two people in the same church sitting on the same pew. One of them said, man, can you see what God is doing? And the other person said, I can't see a thing. All they could see was the problems. All they would see was the difficulties. And, and, and here were Elisha and his servant. Elisha could clearly see what God was doing. The servant, all he could see was the problems, the surrounding armies that were coming at them. And he, he said, there's, there's, it was doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression and excessive misery. That's what Gehazi would have said. But Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, Elisha could see and celebrate God's activity in the present while his servant was worried and fretful. A vision correction was needed. And as God corrects our vision, He will help us to see what He's doing in the here and now and how He's shaping us for the future. These are spiritual markers. The things that are happening in our church right now are spiritual markers in your life and in my life. And we need to celebrate those things and be alert to them. Next, we must embrace the future. When God shows us what it is that He wants us to do, when He consolidates our vision, brings it into focus, then we must consolidate all our energy and all of our resources in bringing that vision to reality. Lovingly, could I say that right now we're operating a little bit like they did in the days of Judges, when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Everybody's got an idea bubble, and every time an idea bubble pops up over somebody's head, we say, well, we need to do that, but we can't do all of those things. It's like going to the library and there being a hundred books there, but God has said, I want you to read this one. I want you to go this way. We need to discover what God's vision is for the church. Early in the days of Moses, and, and they're wandering in the wilderness, Moses made another mistake. Let me say Moses was a great leader, the greatest of all time, I think. But he made the mistake of approaching his brother-in-law, whose name was Hobab. I've never known anybody other than Moses' brother-in-law, whose name was Hobab, but his name was Hobab. And he said, look, Hobab, you're a man of the wilderness, and we need you to go with us, and we need you to be our eyes in the wilderness, and we need you to show us where to camp, where to stop every night, and where to sleep. That was a mistake, because that was not who was going to guide them through the wilderness. God was going to guide them through the wilderness. They were not to follow man's ideas of what they were to do or how long they were to stay, but only God's. And so in Numbers 9, beginning in verse 22, the Bible says, whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle staying above it, the sons of Israel remained camped and did not set out. But when it was lifted, they did set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. And they kept the Lord's charge according to to the command of the Lord through Moses. They moved at the command of the Lord. They walked in step with God. Never were they to come up with their own ideas of what to do. Neither are we. We are to continually embrace God's vision for our future. Now let me say one more thing. I am not trying to imagine a future for your church. But I do want to suggest to you that your vision has become too small. Especially when compared to the leaders who built this sanctuary 72 years ago. We need to pray asking God to give us His vision, but we also need to be ready to embrace God's vision even before we know what it is. One of my favorite stories is of a man who became a missionary to the Cape Verde Islands, which lies off the coast of West Africa. And here's his personal account of how he learned the future that God had planned for his life and how he came to submit his life to it. He said, I've spent 36 years in missionary service, a lifetime that has passed so quickly. 
About 50 years ago when I was just a boy, I knew that God was calling me, but I was confused. I didn't know just where or when uh, or what He wanted me to do. Years passed and I went on to school and college and into Lincoln and Lee Dental University in Kansas City, Missouri. I was still battling, uh, unsure of God's direction for my life. One day I came to the point of definite decision. My dad was a Christian and his prayers were inspirational, but that was secondhand. And I wanted something that was mine, something that would, I could take through life with me. So I went into the church where my dad was pastoring and locked the doors so I could be alone. I guess I was ashamed for anyone to hear me pray, but that's the way it was. I knelt down at the little altar and took a piece of paper and a pencil and said, Now God, this is going to be for life. And he said, I listed everything on that page, filling it with promises of what I would do for God, including my willingness to be a missionary and every other possible alternative I could think of. I promised to sing in the choir, to give my tithes and to read my Bible and do all the things I thought God might want of me. It was a long list of promises and I really meant them. And then when I finished my well-written page, I signed my name at the bottom and laid it at the altar. And there alone in the church, I waited for thunder or lightning or some act of approval from the Lord. I thought I might experience what the Apostle Paul did on the road to Damascus or something equally dramatic. I knew God must be terribly proud of me, a young fellow who would make a consecration like that. But nothing happened. It was quiet and still and I was disappointed. I couldn't understand it, so I thought I must have forgotten something. I took out my pencil again and tried to write down what I left out, but I couldn't think of anything else. I prayed again and told the Lord I put everything on that paper, and still nothing happened. And I waited and prayed, and then it came. I felt the voice of God speak to my heart. He didn't shout or hit me over the head. I just felt in my own soul a voice speak so clearly. It said, son, you're going about it wrong. I don't want, you to, I don't want a consecration like this. Just tear up the paper you've written. I said, all right, Lord, and I took the paper I had written so carefully and wadded it up. Then God seemed to whisper again, son, I want you to take a blank piece of paper and sign your name at the bottom of it and let me fill it in. That's a different kind of consecration altogether. You know what most of us do in churches and committee meetings and deacons meetings and staff meetings is we sit around and we write down on a piece of paper all that we want to do for God. <laughs> And that's not what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to come up with our ideas of what we can do. He wants us to offer our church and our lives to him as a blank sheet of paper and let him write the story of our future. I would just ask you today, would you be willing to release your church to God and saying, God, we trust you enough. You have led this church from, from, with, through our parents. You have led it through deacons. You have led it through pastors. And God, we trust you to lead us into the future. But trusting God to lead you in the future also means, as a church, also means trusting Him to lead you as an individual. That means trusting Him enough that you will be obedient to whatever it is He's called you to do, even before you know what it is. There's some of you who are already praying about where I should go to college, perhaps, or who I should marry, or what step I need to take in my life here or there. And you've got all these plans, and you want God to pick one and approve it. When you need to say, God, I'm just going to sign it out as a blank piece of paper. Here's my life. You fill it in however you want to. And I know, God, whatever your will is for me, it will be best. Best for me. Best for you. And best for your kingdom. God has a future for this church. God has a future. 
We need to be ready to step forward into that future. Here we are at the brink of being 20 years past the turn of the 21st century. You never thought you'd see this day. I never thought I would see it. But here we are. Let's go the rest of the journey with God. Let's pray.